0: The Mina Keim Show featuring Lenny is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Welcome back to the Mina Keim Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast. We're one of the hosts. Thanks, Stephon Diggs. Might have just gone looking for a bone. Stefan Diggs. That's Lenny. <laughs> I'm Mina Kimes. I'm joined by Field Yates, who perhaps can solve the uh, currently. Complicated scenario of hmm. whether Stefan Diggs is actually at Bill's mini camp. This is a matter of some dispute today.
1: It is, Mina, but the Bills have announced that Stefan Diggs <laughs> was there at the facility on Monday. We're talking on Tuesday. He was then there again on Tuesday morning. Then he departed from practice. And I know this podcast was not supposed to be about our thoughts on Stefan Diggs, but. I will simply offer that normally the team is incentivized to downplay if there is yes. something afoot with the star player. Instead, Sean McDermott was the instigator. He was the yeah. one that said, I'm very concerned. That's a direct quote, by the way. Very concerned about Stephon Diggs' absence. Thus, a couple of hours later, we're all scrambling to get some sort of intel. I refuse to believe that there is nothing going on, but I haven't pinpointed the something that is going on right now.
0: Yeah, Sean McDermott sounding like a dad whose kid didn't come home from school was not particularly comforting, yeah. Um and I, I do think made this a big story. Um, I guess the only way this becomes a real story, if it turns out that Stefan Diggs is, you know, skipping camp or threatening a holdout because he wants a new contract, whatever – Um, I don't really see the point of getting into it unless he does any of those things, although it is pertinent to today's podcast because it is that time of the year when on the Kime show featuring Lenny, we try to predict the top 10 offenses of the upcoming year. Uh, Delighted to have Phil Yates. You guys know him. He's one of the fantastic hosts of the fantasy-focused football show, currently the fill-in host of NFL Live, so I'm seeing a lot of you, which is a ton of fun. Um, and, uh, I don't think we've done this together, so I'm excited.
2: We
1: haven't. No, we've, last year we did our quarterback draft. That was, that was sort of our, our big, like evergreen topic that we discussed. So now we get to go into predicting top, top 10 offenses, which I think will be fun because as I was thinking about it, I decided that I needed to have some approach, like some, not metric, but some criteria that I was working with. And I realize there are plenty of different ways that you can attack this one from. So I'm curious to see how much or how little our top 10 picks align. I think there'll be quite a bit of overlap, but there might be a couple of wild cards towards the back end of closer to 10 that'll be interesting.
0: The first four to five, I suspect, will have, if not total overlap, a ton of overlap. And then it gets a little crazy. I I would say it gets crazy because I kept moving teams in and out of like seven to 11, 11 to eight, like that kind of... Range I had because, 13 you know,
1: that I was contemplating yes, 10 that's spots exactly,
0: That's exactly how many I had, 13. Oh there gosh, are, if I, we have think, the same
1: 13, we're in trouble.
0: There's three. Um, so just to recap last year, though. Um, so here was my list last year with Nate Tice. Um, okay, I'll just read them. Uh, Bills, Bucks, Chiefs, Chargers, Rams, Raiders, Ravens, <laughs> Bengals, Broncos, Eagles, Uh, And then I had the Packers just outside. Um, So a few of those teams were really felled by injuries. I would say Uh, the chargers being one of them, the Rams, obviously completely falling off, losing their left tackle and Cooper cup and Matthew Stafford, Um, uh, the Ravens. Well, the Ravens did actually finish pretty high, but there was obviously a lot of injuries there. Uh, Otherwise the The big L's, I would say, are the Raiders and the Broncos, which is kind of Mm. part of my overestimation of the AFC West because, field, here are the top 10 teams in DVOA last year. Uh, Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Bengals, all of whom I had. The Lions, who were kind of the come-out-of-nowhere team.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, The Niners. The Dolphins also took a big leap. The Jaguars made it in the Giants, and then the the Packers, who I said I had just outside. Yeah. So uh, a mixture of teams that I think were predictable, and then some pretty big surprises.
1: I will say this though, not that uh, you need to be defended, and not that you are trying to, <laughs> not, not that you ever escaping accountability. Last year, more so than any year that I can recall in the last seven or eight, we had inexplicable offensive performances. That stemmed from a year that had historic letdowns from several quarterbacks. I mean, literal Hall of Famers, the, the greatest player of all time, included Tom Brady, and yeah. Matthew Stafford, and Russell Wilson amongst the guys who just dramatically underperformed even prior to injuries that were sustained by those players, which really sort of changed the course of the season last year because at this time last year, which is why I'm a little bit skeptical about going to Um, being too optimistic about the AFC East right now is like, we're all talking about the idea that like, wow, somebody has to finish last in the AFC West. It'll probably be like the nine and eight Raiders. Instead, it was two teams that were woeful last season in the Raiders and the Broncos. And then a Chargers team who I thought was, was, they made the playoffs. They were disappointing in the playoffs. I still felt like during the regular season, and perhaps this is attributable to Justin Herbert's rib injury, probably wasn't quite as strong as I anticipated it was going to be going into the year. So a bit of a digression, but I do think that last year was a funky year for a lot of uh, quarterbacks that probably led to the the misses, so to speak, in the top ten.
0: I could have thrown the Bucks in there too because they lost like their entire offensive line.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Season, which
0: um yep. turns out when you have a quarterback in his 40s, it does matter as quick as his release is. So yeah, yes. injuries do make this very hard to project. It's why I'm sure some of these are going to get wrong, um but I, the way I want to I feel pretty do good is, about the first half. Yeah. That at least that they'll finish in the t- like, barring obviously big injuries. Uh so we're going to do the, the both of us are going to do our first five. Take yep. a quick break. Then we'll do the second five. Okay. Um, so I'm going to just read you my number one. You tell me your number one. We'll discuss. Maybe they're Great. the same. Yada, yeah. yada. So, uh, won,
1: yes. The Chiefs? Hey, we're one for right. one. I had the Chiefs as well.
0: Uh, so like I said, you know, last year I had the Chiefs, I think three. Nate had them one. I was like, wow, because you remember this was after the Tyree Kill trade. Right. I thought... Entirely possible that the Chiefs' offense would take a step back. Narrator's voice: The Chiefs did not take a step back. Uh, they finished first in literally every possible metric: EPA per play, yards per play, DVOA, first downs per time, QBR, touchdown percentage, big plays. Man, so whatever they were the best. Um, I guess, Field. My question for you is: It's it's less. Why will they be the best? They have the best quarterback and and play caller in football the best tight end in football. And I think we saw last year that as long as Patrick Mahomes is protected, nothing else seems to really matter. Do you have any concerns about having this team at number
1: one? I have no concerns whatsoever. So many of them were assuaged last year because of the things that you just discussed. I wanted to briefly introduce kind of my two criteria that I was operating with when I was developing this top 10. Uh, One was if I were a defensive coordinator, like how little sleep would I get anticipating the matchup with this team? The second was, what is sort of your superpower? What is it that makes you indefensible uh, when things are going really well for your offense or when things aren't going really well for your offense? And while I did not want to make this a crutch of the argument for a bunch of my offenses, at the end of the day, there are so many things to like about the Chiefs that you have already mentioned, probably the best pass catcher quarterback combo in the NFL in Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes. But the superpower is Patrick Mahomes. The best player in the NFL, perhaps, perhaps one day, the greatest player to ever lace them up. His accomplishments through five seasons as a starter are literally unmatched. I don't know what the perfect defense is for Patrick Mahomes because he's he's advanced at this point in his career, which I say advanced because he conceded early in his career they still had to learn some of these things where, like, he can now beat you pre-snap. It's much harder to confuse Patrick Mahomes yeah. than it was when, when he was a rookie. I mean, remember, not a rookie, but his, his first season as a starter in the AFC Championship game, they were scoreless against the Patriots. They ended up scoring a bunch of points in the second half and lost in overtime, but he talked about sort of leveling up in terms of his football identification or his pre-snap identification, and now post-snap, there's really no answer, right? Because he has this ability to move, and while he is not Lamar Jackson or Anthony Richardson as far as athletic uh, athletic ability is concerned, he doesn't need to be, and he is so functionally athletic as well that even when you have a great plan, it doesn't always matter against Patrick Mahomes.
0: His scrambles, like when you when you. Try to order the quarterbacks in terms of their scrambles by things like, you know, impact on a specific play, EPA, explosiveness, or whatever. They're devastatingly effective. He's obviously not as good of a runner as several other quarterbacks. whose offenses will be on the top of this list. But because it, if you play man coverage against the Chiefs, which teams did for a lot of last season, and you turn your back to Patrick Mahomes, he is going to. Pick up a first down. It's going to be incredibly annoying because he's not that fast. But he is fast enough uh, to yeah. be just and like you said, we talked about this when we did the quarterback's pod. Just the mental evolution, the continuing progression. He gets better every year. Um, I think one reason I also like the Chiefs' offense this year is uh the wide receiver group. Um, you know, you lose Juju Smith Schuster, but I do think Sky Moore, year two, could be better. I also am curious to see what they get out of Kadarius Tony, who
1: yeah.
0: people remember they, they traded a second rounder, which is not insignificant. He had. I think it was a flashes. third, but still it was. Oh, third. Okay. But, yeah,
1: but still it was a pick. Yeah. I think it was actually the pick 100. Um, I believe it was the pick uh, for Ryan Poles that they, they received as compensation. Ah, and then it got flipped to the Giants, it got flipped to the Raiders, and the Darren Waller trade. It was a well traveled pick 100. I believe. Interesting. I want to make sure. I'm looking at my sheet just to make sure I have all my stats because I I don't I don't try to match with with you all the analytics. But the Chiefs have so many good ones that uh, I want to make sure I didn't look
0: overlook anything. That's that's a lot. He had some flashes. There were some game. I mean, I remember the Jaguars game late in the season where you're like, oh god, this is a weapon. Uh, But it was inconsistent, you know. So I think that's something they'll figure out. If I have one concern. Um, the turnover on the offensive line is something yeah. to monitor, particularly you know Orlando Brown Jr. is out. You've got they bring in Juwan Taylor. We think he's going to be left tackle. Turns out he's right tackle, which I think is great because he's become a very good right tackle. Yeah. It also means though that Donovan Smith is playing left tackle, who was not a good left tackle for Tampa. So I think that's you on our NFL Live. We've talked about um, whether Donovan Smith might benefit from things like getting to play next to the best along with Philly, the best interior offensive line in football. Chiefs use a lot of tight ends. The run game is very different from Tampa. So maybe he can have a return to form of sorts. But that is the one question mark I have about this
1: offense. Totally agree. It is the one question mark. The Chiefs have a pretty reasonable amount of confidence. It's a deal that has up to $9 million in value. It's a very stylistically different quarterback that he's playing with now because with Tom Brady as your quarterback, and he's the undisputed greatest ever. This is not necessarily a diss at Tom Brady in any way, shape, or form, but basically you knew that your margin for error was extremely slim because if you slip up and you are you know, 5% off of whatever the intended target is for the offensive play design, Brady could be sacked because he had zero elusiveness outside of the pocket, whereas with Mahomes, your margin for error is a little bit larger simply because if – The edge rusher runs around you, sort of up the field. Mahomes is going to step up and potentially break the pocket and throw probably across his body like 50 yards down the field. Uh, There's just a different level of comfort that Patrick Mahomes has playing outside of structure than Tom Brady had. So I'm going to bet on a Donovan Smith semi-resurgence. I don't think he's a Pro Bowl or an all-pro level player. He doesn't need to be, though, for this offense Mm -hmm. because while Orlando Brown did receive consistent accolades, like the Pro Bowl, I'm not so sure that his play was as consistently dominant as maybe his name has suggested at times. He was a bit of an up-and-down player, which is why the Chiefs yeah. did not match the contract that he signed with the Bengals, which, by the way, was extremely under market compared to what yeah. sort of the prognostications were player. We will. Think. Yes, um, we will. My well, okay, well. so yeah.
0: let's go here. Who, who do you have to... I'll tell you, why I have two. We can just get yeah. Them.
1: I have the Eagles number two. So again, my criteria of how do you, you know, hard to lose some sleep, and then what is the superpower? And I think the superpower for the Eagles is the most balanced offense in the NFL. You've already referenced their interior offensive line; their tackles fantastic as well. Has a very you know credible case as the best offensive line in football. Uh, their wide receiver group is extremely extremely talented, especially at the top and. You know, I've, I've often believed that in a lot of ways, offensive football is about dictating and defensive football is about reacting. And if you can do that successfully on the other side of the ball, you're going to have a chance with the Eagles. They don't make you react once. They make you react multiple times because yeah. so much of their offense is RPO based. And I know that this podcast caters to people that are very smart and have a high football intelligence, but RPO, just for those that are a little bit less acquainted, run pass option, which means that basically every play that the Eagles draw up includes multiple plays within it. It could be two Mm -hmm. plays. It could even be three plays depending on the design. But with a quarterback as adept as Jalen Hurts is at orchestrating those RPOs and an offensive line athletic and disciplined enough to execute them, it just puts you in a bind so consistently and things basically went about as perfect as possible last season.
0: Yeah, they have best offensive line of football. Yep. They have one of the best wide receiver groups in football. They have one of the best tight ends in football. And they have a quarterback who changes the numbers. Yeah. And they and they kept kept it all. The only change in this right. offense is you lose Sayomalu. I think the offensive line will be fine. Yeah. Uh it was, it was the guard. And then the run running backs are different. Miles Sanders is out, combination of Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift are in. By the way, Kent Gainwell is still there. Very good yeah. player who no one seems to remember exists. Um so I, I also had them too. I almost I had another team too, and I flipped, and we, we'll get to them in a second. But, so did I. Um, I
3: yeah, scratched okay, I went out. back
0: and forth on this one a little bit. But I, for me, with the Eagles, it really was just that continuity and the fact that they're just so strong in every possible way that made it really hard for me to knock them off. Um, I have
1: one last thing that, on them. Oh, yeah. My only last thing on and the Eagles, and I'll hand it right back over to you, is that you know we talk about football like it's an isolated drive, but over the course of a game, there is such a mental edge the Eagles have over the defense yeah. because they're so, and this is a Nick Sirianni yeah. trait here, their head coach is so aggressive. You have yes. to prepare for literally every drive to consist of a fourth down opportunity or multiple. And... I know that a fourth down conversion technically has the same impact as a third down conversion. It doesn't fail, right? Like mentally, no, it, changes it just everything. It's, it changes the it way they call plays. Totally. The fact
0: that they have a quarterback who is basically an automatic first down on fourth and short completely changes what 100%. they can do on offense. It completely changes the way you defend them, the way you defend third down. It gives them optionality on second and third down a team that already, as you just uh, laid out, has an excess of optionality. And I think it's that optionality that it makes them such a nightmare. So a a stat that I, you know, the Eagles rank near the top in a lot of stats, but one that I loved was uh, they had 137 explosive plays last year, which True Media defines as either runs over 10 yards or passes over 20 yards. Field, the difference between them and number two Oh, in terms of the number of explosive plays which was actually Cleveland was the same huh. as the, yeah that Nick first Chubb's half dad. of the yeah and the, yes exactly in the first half of the year too they had some pretty deep passes was this was about the difference between 2 and 16 which was ridiculous about, yeah it, 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 and the it's reason true. they have all of those explosive plays is because you're so compromised defending this team because of the optionality and the numbers. If you try to play the run, they're going to the fact that Jalen hurts became a capable, like a a very good deep ball thrower last year made defense's lives. Absolutely miserable. Um, My one concern now I'll say is uh, they lost their offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen. That was the one thing I considered when I kept moving them back and forth. Um, You know, they promote internally internally, Brian Johnson, right? Uh, Who was the quarterback's coach. Um, I do like the continuity by all accounts. And I don't part of me is like, well, if you have everything we just described, it's not that hard. However, I thought Steichen had such a great touch for um, figuring out defense's weaknesses and then hammering them. I talked about this a lot last year. Every Eagles game felt like a little different. It's like, oh, they're doing RPOs this week. Oh, they're attacking deep and outside this week. Oh, it's a quarterback run week. So I think that's something I'd like to see. You know, just that they can continue doing that at the same level that they were before.
1: Yeah, I, that, that, that is a fair point. I know that I, I got the sense uh, this offseason that there was not, and it's like simultaneously think the world of Shane Steichen, but felt pretty good about their offensive operation. Like they knew it was a, probably a matter of time if things went as they intended for them to go before Shane Steichen became a head coach. As a result of that, like Brian Johnson being promoted to offensive coordinator was just a matter of time. So I think they have a confidence about it. But like any coordinator transition, until you see it, um, there is that element of uncertainty surrounding how it's going to go. But uh, we are sort of nitpicking when it comes to to offenses this high in our ranking.
0: Okay, so I had the Bills three.
1: Okay, we Did are three for it? three, and
0: okay. So this was my okay, chicken so scratch notes.
1: I I had yeah. the bills too, and then I
0: yes. crossed them out okay.
1: and went back to three. Yeah, tricky one.
0: Okay, yeah. The bills are tr- so so. The bills. Um, it's funny because I was looking. You know, I mentioned that the Chiefs ranked first and everything. The Bills ranked yeah. second in most things last Pretty year, much. and total I feel total like offense, points per
1: game, EPA efficiency, you name it, they're all, all right there. Yes, two.
0: points per drive. You know, you're, it, yep. they were really, really good, and it almost feels like. The sentiment around them is different from the reality of what the offense was, and maybe that's because of, yeah, that. Well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about because I think a lot of that reflects, you know, in the, in the second half of the season, um, some of Josh Allen's turnovers, some of the struggles running the ball at times. Uh, yeah. I think the quick no. game going away yeah. during my quarterback ranking pod, I talked about how I really believe Josh Allen's injury affected his style of play in the second half of the season. Um, I guess, you know, do you, on on that note about sentiment versus reality, like Mm -hmm. how much of those concerns do you feel are overstated versus have, having some
1: validity? I think that if you recall at the beginning of last season, and I was as guilty as anybody of this, I remember after watching week one Thursday night football, when the bills steamrolled the Rams, in Los Angeles thinking all right it's you know let's let's just like fast forward to february because this is buffalo's year to win the super yeah. bowl or i guess it's their super bowl to lose is a better way of phrasing it at the end of the season given how things had crescendoed early it feels like the end of the season is carrying a disproportionate amount of weight for buffalo compared to how it is for other teams they were embarrassed at home in the playoffs a day in which the offense wasn't good enough the defense wasn't good enough either, obviously, as the Bengals kind of toyed with that Bills secondary. It felt like in a snow game, by the way. Um, I think that some of this is just the expectations. It has felt like for two straight years, the Bills were perhaps the sexiest pick to win the Super Bowl, to become the next Kansas City. And instead, they have lost in back-to-back years in crushing fashion in the AFC playoffs. I, I think also with the Bills, I, I know that Josh Allen is an alien but some of his mistakes are so easy to see for the like the lay person, right? Like it's mind numbing interceptions where he just throws it right to a safety or like a run where he's trying to pick up five extra yards. He doesn't need to. And he just said, fumbles the ball, right? So I think that because the things that they don't always do perfectly are easy to see, it makes him a bit of an easier target. That's kind of how I feel. With Buffalo, But I'm having a hard time moving the, – the, the offenses that are right behind them are fantastic. But I'm just telling you, there's not much I fear more than the Bills offense uh, on a play-by-play basis, assuming Stephon Diggs is there. And for the things that he may not do perfectly, Josh Allen is as dangerous as any quarterback in the NFL because while he's not the, the, the premium athlete relative to others um, – I don't know how what your defense is for Josh Allen on the move right now. There isn't one, really.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we talked about this, um, you know, when I explained why I had him, too, in my quarterback draft. I mean, his impact as a runner is absolutely insane. Is, he, is that a hot um, take to have
1: him, too? Like, have we gotten to that point? Like, It's crazy to me.
0: Uh, yeah, there was some uh, pushback on, I think, Burrow. Uh, I don't think... I didn't see any other quarterbacks really being pushed there. Um, Yeah, and I I, I do think again, like sentiment is a little bit um, skewed because of how last season went. My belief again, you know, as I said, is I think he's gonna he's gonna be back to the guy we saw in the first half of last season, who looked so, um, you know, he he looked like he had grown as a processor. Like that was um, an offense that. Had was succeeding against too high looks because of his willingness to check it down, throw the ball underneath. And I think this offseason for them has been geared towards um, not being as drunk on the big play, being more multiple, <laughs> yeah, right? Um,
1: is talking cheap. Things... We're going to find out.
0: Yeah, right. Well, I think you came on field maybe after the Damian Harris signing and we yeah. had this conversation, which is, this is a team that wanted their Pacheco, like they wanted that power running game. They in the first round they take a tight end. I know that um, Dalton Kincaid isn't like you know doesn't come into the NFL as like a top blocker by any means, but yeah. that again speaks to the desire of the offense to present some different looks. Um, I, I do think he gives Allen an underneath option that was missing, especially if they you know, when they get those two tight ends on the field.
3: Yeah. Um
0: and I'm I'm not as down on Ken Dorsey as I feel like Bills fans are. Totally. Um, I think yeah. I, 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 I view the failures of the second half of the season much more about Allen's injury than – I don't think – let me put it this way. I don't think Ken Dorsey was in there like, hey, Josh, let's try to throw it 20 yards on every play against right. Miami. Like I don't yeah. think that's – there were guys open underneath.
1: <laughs> I'm not <laughs> here to like relitigate the Giannis like failure discourse, Mina, but like yeah. when you have Chiefs, Bengals, Bills – plus mm. this year so many other teams ravens yeah. and chargers and dolphins and jets like just remember that only two of them make the afc championship game and i think every single one of those teams right now will use the conference championship as like the minimum threshold for a successful yeah. season so someone's going to have a sour taste left in their mouth and for back to back years it's been the bills because of you know two losses in the divisional round one of which came in overtime uh, against the you know at the time that the highest seeded team in the AFC the Chiefs like um,
3: yeah.
1: I I, I, get, I get it the like we we measure people and quarterbacks specifically by how they perform in their biggest moments and how many Super Bowls they've won but I feel like it's been circumstantial for the Bills I, I am surprised that they're not generating more momentum and conversation right now as a top threat in the AFC like a, a if if I'm making odds right now stacking odds right now unless like the Stephon Diggs thing. Goes in a direction I'm not currently forecasting. I think they are like prohibitive, might be a little bit too strong of a characterization, but strong favorites still in the AFC East. Yeah.
0: Agree. I, I I'm gonna go out on a limb and and guess you have the same team for number four. Mm. Do you have the Bengals?
1: I do. Bengals are at okay. four so, as well. Yep. This is
0: where okay. So when, when I was doing this list, I was like, I feel like everyone's gonna have the same top four. Everyone, yep. I mean, not everybody, but you and me, and, and yep. I think a lot of our listeners. Like that, I felt you know you can mix up the order. You could put the Bills above the Eagles. You could even put the Bengals higher. We'll talk about them. But yep. it's after the top four when I like I viewed this as a tier. Of four and then nine is how I organize them. So um, the Bengals largely the same, potentially better yep. on the offensive line. They do lose Hayden Hurst, placing with Irv Smith Jr. Uh, Devin Asiasi. That's a big question mark for yep. me. Otherwise, I, I one thing we talked about with the quarterbacks was how Joe Burrow has evolved. Year to year, taking fewer sacks, getting better at um, dissecting certain kinds of defenses. There's just no reason for me to think this unit will backslide because, similarly to the Eagles, it's pretty much the same.
1: Yeah, not only that, but a lot of the players are still in an age where you expect progress and growth, right? I mean, Jamar Chase is only entering year three. T T Higgins is only entering year four. Joe Burrow, obviously, in year four as well. An offensive line that is more veteran than the wide receiver group, but should be even better this year, as you mentioned, with the Orlando Brown signing. Uh, signing. And as of this morning, we uh, now understand that uh, Jonah Williams, who, um, to be clear, had some some really uh, some tough moments at left tackle last year for yeah. Cincinnati, but would be their best right tackle option. He made clear at the team's mandatory minicamp that While he was disappointed by how some of the things went this offseason, he's all in and he's gonna play right tackle. So the biggest question mark along the offensive line was answered earlier today. And um I I, like I don't know exactly like it's hard for me to make a good case as to why they don't belong a little bit above Buffalo. It's probably just the element of running that Joe Burrow doesn't bring at the same level as Josh Allen but you can make a justifiable case for these guys as high as number three or even two in offensive rankings. Yeah, they are I mean, absolutely loaded.
0: The Bills offense has been better than them the last yeah. two years. Even as you been. were yeah. talking about like the um, just how close the margins are in the AFC, even as the Bengals have won games, um, some of those big wins have come because of incredible performances by their defense, I would argue. Yeah. But on the whole, when you're counting regular season and playoffs – the Bills offense has been more efficient, has been more explosive um, than the Bengals. So I, I do think it's the, – the Bills belong above them. I would put the Bills and the Eagles above them. I feel pretty comfortable with them at four. I yeah. do have one question for you. Okay. Joe Mixon, is he just yeah. going to be the running back this year? It like, sounds <laughs> like
1: – yeah. It does sound like it. And I think that – it did be. so I think we all understand that Cincinnati is at this point now where um, every dollar spent is one less dollar to spend in the future when guys yeah. – who are going to be and and will be paid and and, and are will be eligible to be paid uh, are going to be are, are going to be on the books at different numbers, right? Jamar Chase is no longer going to be on a rookie contract, and Joe Burrow, effective, I mean, it, it could happen by the time this podcast is over, he could have an extension done. Same with T. Higgins, and so uh, I think that if either of those deals had already been done, especially in the case of Higgins, because he was a second round pick, like an extension is going to add to the cap commitment for this year on top of the cash commitment. If either of those deals had been done, part of me wonders if Cincinnati might have taken a more economical approach to the Joe Mixon situation. Actions so far this offseason suggest they plan to have him as their starting running back because the backup is Chase Brown, who I liked as a prospect, but he was a fifth-round pick out of Illinois. Mm. Doesn't exactly scream, we're trying to replace our starting running back who's making some 10 or 12 million bucks, even though I think you and I might both argue that, given all the players they have on their roster who, who deservedly are making or will make a lot of money, going the more Philadelphia slash Kansas City approach to running back might be a smart play for Cincinnati.
0: This lost to Samaj P. Ryan quietly impactful the player there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's wrap this uh, first half with number five.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah.
3: I have no
0: idea what you're going to say. I feel I don't know if my pick is. I, I ran this list by a couple people I trust, yeah. and this was a pick that a lot of them were like, "I, yeah, Have you ever seen that um, Tim Robinson? You sure about that? Yeah,
3: you sure yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I got that reaction
0: to this yeah. pick a few times. Okay. But um, here's the deal I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers oh, at number okay. five. All
3: right.
1: no. okay. I don't know. No, no, no! It's, it's
3: so okay. Crazy. Uh,
1: it's, no, not, it's not that crazy. No, it's not. It's
0: cra- Well, it's crazy to say about a team that we have no idea who the starting quarterback is. Does it matter? Um, is that a- Seriously, though, does it, does it, it matter? Does not- I tr- well, it, so it could be Brock Purdy, yeah. who um, you know, we'll see what his status is at camp. Uh, Darnold, Lance, you know, whatever.
1: I don't know that it matters.
0: I don't think it matters. Yeah, I don't think to it matters
1: the quarterback spot, but. I think those guys are all, you know, six in one hand, a half dozen in the other, and you line whoever it is up as the starter in week one, and I expect them to be about what they have been in recent seasons.
0: Here, Here's the reason why I put them here. Starting week eight, which is when Christian McCaffrey entered this lineup, yep. this was the best offense in the NFL. Yep. He ranked first, EPA per play, throughout a number of pass, passing metrics, notably yep. what he did for the passing game. We did a a segment on NFL Live about 21 personnel uh, talking about the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, and I think um, it's really important to note like the San Francisco 49ers and 21 personnel are very, a lot of teams were actually really effective out of 21, but with different, you know, uh, Miami used a lot with with, um, Ingold, for example, obviously Baltimore. But the Niners with Christian McCaffrey in particular were unbelievably unique. We talked at the top about the Eagles and, and the numbers game and the option stuff. I think my the biggest takeaway I had from that segment is there are no good answers for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because of what Christian McCaffrey brought to this offense combined with the other incredibly unique and talented skill players they had. Trading for him miss season was an absolute home run. And at the time I was thinking, I don't know, you know, is it really going to improve the running game? It's not the running game that mattered. It's what he did for the passing game. Um, Just the constant bind that they put defenses in, you know, never knowing what the hell is like, what the formation, like who's running, who's catching passes, who's blocking. It's absolute basketball on grass. grass. And, they're all healthy.
1: Yeah. Like I kind of, I'm trying to draw like the perfect equivalent, right. But like in the NBA, you've got players like you need to surround them with shooters for it to be an effective roster, right. LeBron, the most obvious answer uh, for the past 20 years, basically. Right. it's like for the 49ers, the quarterback just needs to be surrounded with a bunch of players who are elite yards after catch players. And, no matter the position, the 49ers have a guy who is either the best or like at least a top five option in the NFL in terms of yards after catch. And that extends to fullback, by the way, right? Like Kyle Juszczyk, best athlete of any fullback in a league by far. George Kittle, the same at tight end. He's right in the conversation with probably Travis Kelsey for the best after the catch, combining athletic ability plus instincts. Then you've got Debo Samuel, who's an absolute like, so good at running after the catch that they said, let's just give you the football and let you run. As a running back, you became a wide back back in 2021, so they have, for each of the past few seasons, either led the NFL in total yards after the catch, yards after the catch, per catch, or both. It is an offensive system that has married perfectly to the the personnel that they have in place, which... That sounds fundamental. Like that sounds like something any reasonable mind should accomplish as a general manager, Mina. But we don't see that often enough. We see plenty of teams that are mismatched.
0: Uh, so Steve Ruiz, who did the quarterback thing, he tweeted yeah. this uh, stat that is absolutely mind blowing.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, over fifty percent of Brock Purdy's air passes over ten yards, so everything but short, yep. were to receivers who the NFL classes as wide open. Uh, it that's is unreal. that was the highest rate in the n f l by, far, by right? a significant margin fifty two percent of his passes were to wide open receivers yeah. uh and it is the- it's the marriage of play caller and skill players yep. uh who are so unique and so special and that's why i i don't like it's funny because I feel like um, sometimes with Kyle Shanahan praise uh, rubs people the wrong way because it's like, so you're saying the quarterback doesn't have to do anything. I'm just like, no, the players do matter. Yeah. The other players. Like, it's not just Kyle Shanahan moving chess pieces. It's him moving incredibly talented skill players around. One concern I have, right tackle. McGlinchey's gone. Colton yeah. McKivich, That yep. could be something to monitor. So anyways. Yeah. I don't know. I might regret it, but I'm rolling with the Niners there. Okay, so do
1: I reveal where I had them on my yes. list? I did have them on top five. Uh, sure, good. Yeah. Okay, so I had them at six. So like, I don't think we saw oh, this one that differently. Wow. We're
0: really similar. Uh, yeah, okay. we are. Did you have so, a five.
1: All right, everybody buckle up here because I promise you that you cannot have like a down-the-middle take on this team. You're either in or you're out. I had the Dolphins, and the Dolphins, who you need to look at last year uh, through the prism of the time with Tua – on the field. Uh this there are a couple like there are several mind-blowing stats from last year. But Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell combined for zero touchdowns when Tua was not on the field. Zero receiving touchdowns. Like just mm. absolutely absurd how different this offense was without Tua. The team ranked fourth in EPA when you extract the plays that Tua was not on the field, right? So just Tua plays they were fourth, you know, if you were to make out a full season. They would have been fourth in EPA. So um, I, I know that that's obviously there are several factors that contributed to uh, the slide down the stretch, uh, including the much beefier schedule they played on defense. It kind of hit that groove, like yeah. when they played San Francisco and who was it? Somebody else in back to back might have been well, uh, so, the Chargers.
0: Uh, it, so I did a split yeah. of. Two weeks, one through 11, and then 12 through 18. He only played four games. It was San Francisco, the Chargers, the Bills, and then the Packers, um, who actually played them really well. And yeah, anyways, well, I'll get get to that in a second. Those are the four games he played after. And then obviously he was hurt for
1: a lot of that. But their superpower is, I think, sort of twofold. One is its speed, second, it's doing the same thing over and over. And still having success with it. Now, things did catch up to them a bit during that stretch that you are referencing. It was, I want to say it was Ben Solak who highlighted a concept defensively that the Chargers kind of Mm -hmm. implemented in that Sunday Night Football game where, you know, Tua who mastered RPOs last year, like it was just sort of like a fairly basic concept with either Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle, sometimes both on just like an over route where it's like you can just sort of hold the linebackers for a second with your play action, and all of a sudden the wide receiver is springing wide open. If for some reason the linebacker bails and understands that that possibility exists, just hand the ball off and get five or seven yards and just sort of continue to move the chains. But their quick strike ability is obviously second to none because they have the fastest wide receiver duo we've seen in quite some time. And the reason why I'm projecting greater confidence this year, Mina, is first of all, I have no idea how long Tua is going to stay healthy or not, but I'm going to suppose he plays every game this year. But the defense should just be so much better that the pressure on this offense, I think, will be different. Like, I think it'll just cause that much more stress on opposing defense, right? Because, like, if you're a team that's playing Miami, like, you you, you, you might not, like, Miami might only need to get 24 some weeks to win. It's not going to be, hey, we're. Yeah, their offense is stressing us, but if we keep them under 30, we got a chance because their defense is not good. This year between the overhaul and the secondary specific to the addition of Jalen Ramsey plus hiring Vic Fangio, yeah. which we've all noted is so significant, I think there's a different type of pressure that exists on opposing defenses facing the Miami offense.
0: So Dolphins fans, for two things. One, I had them 7th. So, okay, so, we're
3: not too far off. We're very close. Yep.
0: Two, if if you don't like what I'm about to say, I have the defense outrageously high next okay. week uh, when I mm-hmm. do defenses. Yep. Um, but I had them seventh. Uh, okay. So for me, I think...
1: Who will be fine. i I'm not going to my... Oh, I know the, five con- con- yeah.
0: the concern... Those four games... So in weeks one through 11, of us was like first in QBR, first in EPA for dropback, second in CPOE, second in Houston percentage. Absurd. Weeks 12 through 18, those four games... 26 in QBR, 31st in CPOE, 31st in completion percentage, 21st in EPA for dropback. Now, there were injuries. I mean, shoot, who knows what his status was in some of those games? I don't I I feel very comfortable saying that's who Tua Tungabailoa is as a co- quarterback. Uncomfortable yeah. uh, saying that. However, uh to your point, defenses found a way to put some grit and their bread and butter. <laughs> and I think what, yeah, we need to see is that continued evolution, both of the quarterback, but also of this offense from yeah. Mike week, Daniel. Um, I think they're capable of that though, which is yeah. why I still have them so high because of the talent of speed. Um, I think, you know, we'll see what happens with Teron Armstead in terms of his health. But I, I, I talked about this. I did like adding Isaiah Wynn as depth, um, it's I a totally
3: justifiable
0: flyer. Yeah, 100%. I would be surprised if he starts games. Yep. Uh, drafting Devin Achain. Yep. Uh, loved that pick. I Before the draft, I said, I hope he's a Dolphin. He's a Dolphin. Um, I think the run game is going to be better this year. At times, last year it was a little bit lacking. So I am still very high on the Dolphins offense, but with some concerns.
1: Totally fair. Um, but we are sort of in the same ballpark. And so you said you wanted to break after the first five. We've both covered our first five. (laughs) I've already said that the 49ers were my six. You said the Dolphins are your seven. So I have an idea of who your number six is, Mina, but I'm going to hold it until we come back to this conversation.
0: Oh, what a teaser. Number six is. Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace, all this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns reward credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using code OMAHAFULL, and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great, keep those winnings. But if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus
3: bet. 21 and older only offer valid and must be physically present in arizona colorado illinois indiana iowa kansas louisiana massachusetts maryland michigan new jersey new york ohio pennsylvania tennessee virginia west virginia and wyoming only new users and first ten dollar plus wagers only must register with an eligible promo code Bet amount of qualifying wager returned only if wager is settled as a loss maximum bonus bet $1,250 bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt tier credits and reward credits will be added to the account within seven days after qualifying wager settles see caesars.com chrome for full terms void where prohibited know when to stop before you start gambling problem arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP colorado wyoming kansas affiliated with kansas crossing casino call 1-800-522-4700 indiana call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. at 1-800-426-2537 or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. This
0: podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza. The number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience, recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/slash/MinaShow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P dot com slash MinaShow M-I-N-A S-H-O-W.
0: We are back, Field. Do you want to guess yeah. who I have at six?
1: I do. I'm going with, and this right here. I feel like this right now is like our moment come together. And if I guess this wrong, it's going to be anticlimactic. But it's like football, Twitter uniting. I'm going with the Detroit Lions as number six for you.
0: No, I don't have them at number six. I don't.
1: Oh man. Okay. All right. Well, well, now well, it's, you know what? it's. I'll spare right. myself the embarrassment.
0: Well, it's, who's your six? I, I actually don't. I wanted to de-emphasize this pick because I really okay. try not to be a homer. Okay. I am very high on the Seahawks offense this year. I
1: love it. Okay, I think they're okay. going to be so they're good. A little lower on my list, but they are they are on my list. Where where are they on your list? They're number ten. So they're ten. And, okay. And you talked about yeah. You talked earlier about how uh, seven through eleven was kind of your yeah your your range, right? Like I felt good through six. So the six that I have discussed, I felt good We're, about. And then I had one, two, three, four teams with three on the outside looking.
0: We're splitting hairs with these teams. Um, I'll make my case and tell me what you think. Uh so this is a team okay. last year that was eighth in passing DVOA, twenty-third in yep. rushing DVOA. Um they had some injuries at running back. I think that contributed to that as well as some issues in run blocking. I expect the run game to be better, assuming Kenneth Walker is healthy. They drafted Zach Charbonnet, who I think is going to be really good. I, I really like him as a player as as much as I can question the value aspect of that pick. Um, I've talked about Geno Smith and why I don't think he's um, it, a one here, a wonder. Maybe he'll regress a little bit, but. I mean, first in CPOE, lowest off-target percentage in the NFL. So one thing I did was I um, went back and watched all of his interceptions. So Gino was pretty clean the first half of the year. There were only 11, you know. So (laughs) Uh, seven came in weeks 12 through 18, some in critical moments. Um, Now, a couple of them I thought were on the receivers. uh, And then one was... Uh, what should have been a free play. So really four out of seven were his fault. All of them were him being overly aggressive. They weren't um, like terrible throws. They weren't, it it was him trying to force the issue, which is something, you know, he lived and died by a little bit. He was one of the best deep passers in the NFL last year. He made some absurd tight window throws. There will be interceptions that come with that. But right now sure. he gets to play behind an offensive line that should be better because they started two rookies at tackle who I thought both, you know, tailed off a little bit at the end of last season, year two. And yep. a wide receiver group that top three, top two?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, whatever the list is, it prominently involves the Seahawks.
0: I mean I, I would put them in right like, the you know
1: Cincinnati I think probably is gonna say like we deserve that honor for right now. But I, I think it's Cincinnati, I think it's Seattle, I think it's like if everything goes right, maybe the Chargers enter the fray, Philly because of their two established stars, Miami because they're Miami two established two, stars. Yeah, but
0: just the one two, it's, so it's
1: hard to find a team one, two, three as our good as Seattle's.
0: NFL Live researcher Henry Buggy sent me this before the yeah. draft. Um, so last year, the Seahawks ranked sixth in receiving yards from receivers lined up outside, 25th from receivers in the slot. Yeah. Enter Jackson Smith and Jigba, who
3: you we loved have dreamed the up. process. I was so I mean, happy for you
0: when
1: you when he went 20th. I couldn't believe just it, I was so a
0: because yeah. he could have ended up with a team that would have been tried to force him into you know he where he wouldn't have been able to play the role that he plays best which is as yeah. that you know a slot receiver almost entirely. So I don't know, maybe that's overly optimistic, maybe I'm being a homer. I try not to be a homer when it comes to the Seahawks generally, yeah. but I I do, yeah. I'm very high on this offense.
1: I had him 10, so don't have a ton of things to nitpick with um I'm trying to think of like good counterpoints. I suppose like if Pete Carroll like exerts some of the stubbornness of like the old school football mentality a little bit, it could hold him back. But I think we've seen like the dawn of a new day in Seattle Uh, as far as the offensive approaches. Shane Waldron's done an awesome job uh, early in his coordinator career. I was actually thinking about Geno Smith because I got down a bit of a Geno rabbit hole recently And this is an obscure comp and it's not perfect. I don't think any quarterback comp is perfect, but I was thinking about Kenny Pickett and some of the ways in which he can evolve Mm -hmm. uh, this year. And you mentioned that Gino's off target percentage was the, it was lowest. So best in the NFL. And I know that his completion percentage was like rare, like historically good last year. I also know that his you know, completion percentage doesn't always tell the stor- full story. But good Lord, I mean, it was like biscuit in the basket so often yeah. last year. I know that we uh, used to talk about this on Twitter about how like the most beautiful play in football is a Tyler Lockett deep ball from Russell Wilson. We didn't see a ton of them last year necessarily because we had like, eight years of Russ and Tyler Lockett together. But there wasn't much drop off. Yeah. Wasn't a whole lot of drop-off
0: there. It Tyler Lockett is still so good. That was my other takeaway watching um, so some of these Gino well I was watching some of the interceptions, but I also watched some of his deep balls. Like Tyler Lockett's still such an exceptional route runner.
1: I mean Okay, quick aside, I think I've told you this story before, maybe on this podcast. I did an event with Tyler Lockett two Super Bowls ago when the game was in Los Angeles and it was this uh, this event where, like, these these, these fans got to come. They were, they, they were told they were going to get, like, some gift bag in a hotel room, and instead it was a surprise, and Tyler Lockett was the surprise. The genuine care that he showed for each individual Aww. was absolutely incredible. Like, every person was met with a hug and like an embrace and he just made so many people's day. So it's not our job to root for players, but you'll be hard pressed to find me saying a single bad thing about Tyra Lockett as a player and definitely as a human. And All right, so that concern, brings me to my seven.
3: Oh. My
0: concern would, for no, the no, no, would just be the interior offensive line. I'll throw that out there. I do think that is a reasonable yep. concern because I, and you know, Dino will throw interceptions um, and be yep. overly aggressive. Okay. So you had the Niners at six. At six. Yep. I had the Dolphins at seven. So we're on seven. Who do you have at seven?
1: Lions. Now let's do it. Okay. Okay. So uh, back to the superpower today. Yeah. Okay. So superpower for the Lions is this sort of this this mesh point of an offensive coordinator who understands how to get guys in space and guys who are tremendous in space. It may not necessarily be at the level of San Francisco, right? But Amon Ross, St. Brown. I don't care what production he's had and what accolades he's had. Still somehow like a a touch underrated. They did this last year with DeAndre Swift, who I know was in and out of the lineup, probably more than Lions fans wanted him to be, but his touches in the passing game often led to opportunities for yards after the catch. I hope they did a good job of kind of balancing some of the guys who presented vertical threats for them, which until... Jamison Williams is back from his suspension. That's going to be a problem uh, this year. And they only got one catch out of him last year. But I felt like the threat of vertical speed was consistent in the Lions offense enough where it kept defenses from being able to kind of pack it in. And they just like they were absolutely like tremendous from like I mean, the offense numbers were great for the entire year. But I felt like it really changed. Actually, maybe after the lowest point, they got shut out in a game like they got shut out by the Patriots last year in a game. And they still finished like top five in every offensive category. Like, imagine basically having 16 as opposed to 17 games and still being right there with the elite offenses in the NFL. It's a fabulous offensive line as well. The identity seems to be there. And then, you know, I think you and I are probably card carrying members of the Ben Johnson fan club like there's a decided advantage with him as Such your play caller right now for this upcoming season huge yeah. the best thing that right. happened to them is there are a handful of coordinator changes i think we we talked about Vic Fangio earlier Bill O'Brien Ben Johnson a couple of those moves that no matter what that team does no matter what they do elsewhere even acquiring Jalen Ramsey maybe if the patriots add DeAndre Hopkins like the fact that they have a new coordinator in place and the specific one that they have could prove to be the most instrumental part of their growth this year. And for, for Detroit, it might be the fact that they didn't have to go to plan B. I'm not even sure who plan B would have been for Detroit. If Ben Johnson had taken the Carolina or other job, the teams were interested in hiring. It
0: would have been a really hard act for a new offensive coordinator yep. to follow. Yep. Um, fortunately, it's not something that's going to happen. Uh, I had them ninth. So okay. only a couple spots below. Um, all right. So, so no so teams so that have been have... off
1: the other teams. Other yeah, uh, no so teams are all that have been the off
0: same. The yeah. Yeah. Um, High Lions, for all the reasons you just mentioned. Um, you know, I do wish they had DeAndre Hopkins. I think that would be really uh, yeah. clutch for them. But I am also because of Ben Johnson, I'm I'm confident in his ability to come up with. Um, ways to make this offensive offense explosive with the players they do have the players that they've added sam laporta the rookie tight end i think is going to get yards after the catch in this offense which is something he did really well in college jameer gibbs is lightning in a bottle jameer gibbs you know whatever you think about the value of the draft pick i've talked about that to no end the football fit on this team is amazingly fun and i and and that's not just that's with the coordinator i'm you know because they just didn't I mean, he's so unique, and I don't think he's going to be misused at all. And I think um, it's funny because we we, – I feel like McCaffrey gets brought up too much now when we talk about running backs. We we had a conversation about Saquon Barkley on NFL Live yesterday. But I do think a lot of the stuff that San Francisco did on offense is things that Ben Johnson should just rip off completely. Um, Yeah. So uh, the one concern I have about the Lions, so here's Jared Goff's QBR rankings over the last four years, 2019, 22nd, 2020, 23rd, 2021, 24th, 2022, 5th. That's a pretty Mm. big jump. The thing about Jared Goff, though, is um, he has always been a quarterback who's very dependent on his circumstances, and his circumstances are still good. So I am not projecting like a big Jared Goff drop-off because... The offensive line is still awesome, still a great play caller, still very cool weapons, but, you know, he is not the same. I mean, I know I talked about this with San Francisco, but, you know, um, he is a reasonable question mark when it comes to the Lions offense continuing that level of success.
1: Quickly, couldn't be more impressed with Jared Goff and turning what felt like being sent to purgatory (laughs) into a really, really, really great situation for him in Detroit, right? I mean, that was sort of, you know, it was, uh,
3: you know, whatever.
1: It's uh, like that was supposed to be the, not the end of his career by any stretch. That's being dramatic, right? But it was supposed to be, hey, this is, you know, he, he was flotsam. He was, he was, he was cap filler he was thrown in the deal, in. right? He was, yeah, he, he was just, yeah. let's make the money balance a little bit. And <laughs> instead he's become a useful player for them to the point that Detroit has a shoe taken a quarterback early in the draft in the past two years.
0: Brad Holmes seems to absolutely love Jared Goff. So oh, he when loves I say him. He was there, um, whether he should extend Jared Goff, that's a debate for another day. I, I, I would string
1: that. From. Personally, I would string that one along as far as you can, yeah. um, but I'm not the GM. Yeah. So do I have to get to number Uh, eight
0: by the way? Okay. So we're, yes, we're on eight. So we're both optimistic about the Lions. You had them a little bit higher than me. I still have them in my top 10.
2: It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure.
1: You got this Price, go your
0: Happy Price Priceline. Okay. Um, okay. So this is one I don't know if you'll have them in your top ten. This is one that's okay. a little bit, uh, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show last year there were about four teams that kind of leaped into the top ten. So far, okay. we've done mostly teams that were good last year that finished in the top of you know yep. the rankings last year. Um, this team, cool. for various reasons, fell out.
3: Okay.
0: I. Am maybe too high on the Baltimore Ravens?
1: No, not too I am, high. They, they, yeah. hmm. I don't Do not think
0: them? Were they? are not my top outside? ten
1: because we only have yeah. So they yeah. were part of my group of thirteen. Yeah. Um, okay. I didn't rank eleven through thirteen. But Here, yeah, here's the crazy thing case.
0: about the Ravens: before Lamar Jackson got hurt, they were third in TV. <laughs> like I on offense, care, sure. like. Uh, Maybe based off first that one rushing, game against Miami
1: alone,
0: dude. Uh, so Jackson, the first third of the season was lights out, and then yep. you saw he had some issues with the blitz. They had some injury; they had a lot of injuries. They lose Bateman, they lose you know, Dobbins, barely plays The offensive line. has Some yep. issues, but even that said, uh, that first those first eleven weeks, they were fifth in drive score percentage, seventh in points per drive, eighth in EPA per play. This was still a really good offense. And they just, I mean, they completely overhauled that unit this offseason. So that can come with skepticism. It's entirely possible, like you know, maybe what they've been doing under Greg Roman is the best possible iteration of the Ravens offense. I'm betting that it's not. I am betting that replacing your wide receiver group uh, Demarcus Robinson, Duvernay, Prochet, Deshaun Jackson, etc. With bringing Bateman back, OBJ, um, they had Nelson Aguilar. Uh, I, that they're going to be better. I am betting that Todd Munkin, who has been a creative uh, and uh, creative play caller, who I think has shown an ability to make the best use of his players in different ways, yeah. uh, I, I thought he was excellent at Georgia. Uh, will help. And I am betting that Lamar Jackson um, is, uh, you know, that special. And uh, he has been great. And I am betting that with these changes, he can be even better. And I'm so excited to watch them.
1: Part of what makes your podcast and all of your analysis, as great as it is, is that it's intellectual, it's thoughtful, it's nuanced. Um it uh has a certain level of depth to it. Um I'm gonna do the exact opposite here and just note that like the vibes are so high right now in Baltimore, yeah. which bodes really. Oh, Zay well Flowers, for I offense.
0: forgot to mention Zay Flowers.
1: Yeah, yeah Zay Flowers, yeah. <laughs> the vibes were low last year, right? Like it was a
0: swear bad. bad,
1: like really it was bad. Just like, oh God, like yeah. how is this gonna end? Is Lamar gonna ever play for us again? Totally different mindset. So they were my just miss. My number eight team was the Chargers or is the Chargers. Okay.
0: They're on my and, just pissed.
1: yeah. Yeah, so the Chargers are a bit of an interesting one because I would think many would argue in some ways they feel like they have been underachievers, but offensively I don't feel like that's really been the case. But I don't know that there is going to be a coordinator change this year, and I've already highlighted a few that were really notable that might make things as stylistically different as what the Chargers could be under Kellen Moore as opposed to under Joe Lombardi. You have Justin Herbert who has an absolute cannon of an arm. You have Mike Williams, so the reason why you're paying him twenty million dollars a year is because he can stretch the field. You draft, you just drafted Quentin Johnston at TCU, who can stretch the field and is an excellent yards after catch player, especially for a guy with his massive frame. Now, last, last year they were death by a thousand paper cuts on offense. I love Austin Eckler; he is otherworldly good. 127 targets for a mm-hmm. running back, with with again running backs catch the ball usually within like five yards of a line of scrimmage, or fewer. I don't think that's the right way to maximize Justin Herbert. Maybe that was an offensive line issue, even though I thought the offensive line acquitted itself pretty well last year. Maybe it was because Justin Herbert was playing with broken ribs for much of the season, and they were just afraid of yeah. dropping back and having the situations where he gets a massive hit from Aaron Donald or something. I tend to think that it was just the offensive coordinator's philosophy, and I think the Kellen Moore, who's got this I would say willingness, the zest to push the ball down the field and be aggressive could bode really well. And, you know, Justin Herbert owns like a ton of the records for uh, passing statistics through three seasons. So it's hard to say that like a career breakthrough season is an inevitability for Justin Herbert. But to me, it feels like a very realistic possibility. And I know the Chargers are the on paper champions in a lot of ways, but this is the most confidence I've had in a Chargers offense in quite some time.
0: Yeah, the Justin Herbert low average depth to target uh, was uh, subject no of obsession and co- great uh, disgust for those of us who cover the league. Um, and and but it's one that, as you just laid out, there was multiple reasons, multiple explanations. I think this yep. year is it, it. It's a great example of like changing one variable, and we're going to learn a lot about both Kellen Moore and Justin Herbert um yep. because as you said like it could have been some of it was on I, I do think some of it was on the offensive line you know um sure. the lack of pass protection uh forcing them to get the ball out quicker some of it was on Herbert's injury the ribs some of it could are hypothetically be on Justin Herbert being a more conservative quarterback just throwing that out there but I I sure. tend to agree with you that I do think the play caller played a huge role in it and I am very Excited to see this offense push the ball down the field. Uh, I only, yeah. I, I had the reservations I had were um, uh, the chargers tax just because I'm like, yeah, if everyone's healthy, I, um, yeah. uh, I do think Keenan Allen is kind of nearing the end, you know? So I think that's an issue. Um, and then I, 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 I do wish they had added some speed, like a speedster down, like a, I know Jalen Guyton is coming back and Quentin and Johnson is fast, but Um, And then the other thing is, I mentioned this on the athletic football show, I wish they really like thought they would add a blocking tight end and they kept their tight end group the same, which kind of bothered me. But yeah, I had them just outside the top 10. Uh, So okay, so I I had the Ravens eight, the Lions nine. So all I have less left is my 10th offense. Uh, you had just to refresh. Can you remind
1: yep, us Yep, So, of your Chargers sevens? eight, Lions seven, Chargers eight.
3: Okay. To so be determined
1: nine. or to be revealed nine, and then the Seahawks 10. So, we both the have Seahawks one ten. team left to reveal. Okay. So,
0: you have a nine. I have a 10. Who did you have at nine?
1: Yeah. I had the Cowboys at number nine.
3: Okay. And oh, this, this one, was my
0: hardest cut. This was I, I this is the team nine and 10, or 10 and I 11, know. pardon me. I kept. I I put the Cowboys in. I put the Cowboys out. I put the Cowboys in. No one is a bigger Dak Prescott cheerleader than me. I I know. I know. Ah, This felt so bad.
1: All right. So let's start here. If you were to make a case, like what's the biggest hole in the Cowboys offense? Is there one? Is there like a notable, like, yeah, thank you. All right. That's it. Right. Like (laughs) roster wise, there is not one, right? That's what it is. It comes down to your belief is to Uh, whether, into whether Mike McCarthy. Like, I think they can get by like, Peyton exactly. Hendershot last year, Luke Schoonmaker this year, guys they've drafted, like I think they can be serviceable enough. And when you've got CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup, like you've got three guys that are making ten plus million dollars. Well, CeeDee Lamb not yet. He'll eventually be making whatever, twenty eight million dollars a year. But it's hard for me to poke holes in the talent of this roster. It's just a matter of whether you believe in Mike McCarthy. Now, I always find that the Kellen Moore Cowboy, bless you, uh, discourse is interesting. Hearing from like we can, we tend to look at it, I think from like a more season long like holistic view. I know like Marcus who obviously is so passionate about the Cowboys and watches them as close as anybody does will tell you about like more like specific moments where it's like maybe Kellen Moore got a little bit stubborn in his ways or maybe it was situationally where he fell short for the Cowboys. So maybe there is some room for this team to be a little bit different under Mike McCarthy that could benefit them. I just really get concerned about the idea of Mike McCarthy feeling like I'm a Super Bowl winning head coach, which is true, by the way, it's, it's indisputable. It's my way or it's the highway. And you made this point masterfully on NFL live, probably a week or so ago where you were talking about how Mike McCarthy keeps saying, we're going to run the damn ball. We're going to be a team that makes sure that we control his line of scrimmage. And then it's like, yeah, but you also traded for Brandon cooks. You have Michael Gallup and you have CD lamb, like, why like why would you pound the football when you've got we didn't mention them, but like it's a wide receiver core that's probably in the top
0: eight-ish. I, I love really the Cooks signing. I love I tend to really like, you know, veteran low cost trades generally. But the biggest issue with this wide receiver group last year was the lack of separation. I totally. I have gone into this. I think it is a part of the reason why Dak Ross got through so many interceptions as well. And I think Brandon Cooks helps in that regard.
1: Do you ever think the interception count is some? I mean, they, they they count, they matter, right? But like you were talking about how if you go back and look at Gino's interceptions, yeah, yeah. like it could easily be that four or five of them went the other way. Oh, Do you ever feel like, given the fact that were like,
0: insane,
3: it's There's like you know, so like he deranged know,
1: six. Such. Like you know, it'd be one thing if like if Dak Prescott had thrown twenty six picks and Patrick Mahomes had thrown four, you could say like, okay, this is clearly like a massive disparity between two players that do things at different levels. One's a master, one is the opposite of a master, right? When it's like, yeah, he led the NFL with 16, and it's like, I don't know, Josh Allen had like 12. It's like, okay, so over 650 passing attempts, four of them were interceptions, like four more of them were interceptions. Like some of that's got to be randomness, right? So I don't hammer Dak as much for the interception count as some would like to, I'm a bit more of a staunch Dak guy than some, and, and I know you are as well. So we're yeah. kind of in the echo chamber here, but um, yeah, my concerns are strictly the, the, the head coach, but personnel wise, um, like if, if you told me to like to, to, to lay out the concerns from a roster standpoint, the list is extremely narrow.
0: I mean, Cowboys fans, if you're listening, stay tuned next week. If you want to drink some cowboys, uh, pooling, we talk about yeah. defense. Oh, the so oh good. my god, yeah. this roster is so good, top to bottom. Have you i
2: never heard. Uh, yeah, this is like an, an NBA term. So
0: stacked.
1: The, I, think, I think it's Seth Partnow, who now writes for the Athletic, has the uh, has coined the term like the adjustment is the play better adjust- adjustment. That's my <laughs> adjustment for the Cowboys this year. It's the play better adjustment in the playoffs, right? Like because the pieces uh, are all there, the pieces are there. I mean, I mean, they make it. They made it
0: far. Like it, it, yeah. it's kind of like what you were saying at the top about the Bills. Like this is the team. Like they're not. They're the. I NFC mean, uh, Dax's performance against Tampa in the wild card round was one of the best performances by a quarterback ever. of. Yeah, yeah, it was well, amazing. ever so, a little
1: too strong, but it was. Awesome. I,
0: yeah, no, but it was amazing, and I think yeah. I just think with everything Cowboys, people just tend to lose their minds. Um,
2: yeah, but Can you
0: confirm. know I. Yeah. Had them at eleven. I, I that for me was a lot of it. It was Mike McCarthy tax, and guess what? First four weeks of the season, I might change my tune if I see you know that he's not pounding the rock and yep. um and that they're finding ways to, uh, to create spacing, the passing attack, and Dak Prescott looks good. So we'll see. Um, there might be a move left on the table for them. Bring you back Zeke Elliott. Uh, That's the one. Makes, yeah makes a ton of sense okay it does. so I, our final team is the one that I have over the Dallas Cowboys at 10 uh as I've mentioned we've talked about some of the teams we had on the outside looking in the of the Chargers uh, you had the Ravens we'll get yep. we'll kind of rapid fire some of those teams at the end the team that I had at number 10 the jacks
1: oh on my list as, on my short list as well so we had zero am, teams that weren't considered by the other.
0: Wow. Well, well I mentioned a, a few more, but um, I am, yeah. I'm drinking the Duval Kool-Aid. I, I very tasty new, Kool-Aid new right now. Analogy. <laughs> yeah. analogy. What is in that Kool-Aid? I don't know. But a um, few reasons, Trevor Lawrence, we've, talked about this uh, this show many shows from after their buy on he was absolutely lights out number of metrics top five quarterback the offense was fantastic from that point on especially the passing attack it's an offense that um i expect to be better with the addition of calvin ridley i think in doug peterson they have one of the six or seven best play callers in football at the moment it's year three trevor he's a quarterback who got Incredible, demonstrably, dramatically better year two. How much can he improve in year three? Uh, I'm just really excited to watch. The one concern I have, and this is maybe why you didn't have them in the list, offensive line, is yeah. uh, a bit of a concern. Because uh, I talked about this with on NFL Live. While the Jags from Week 12 were better in just about every respect, they ranked top 10, top five in every metric. Offensive line, they were still in the bottom of the league. Now, I think Trevor Lawrence mitigates that a lot because he gets the ball out so quick and he is so difficult to sack. But yeah. at the moment, Anton Harrison, I think, is starting at left tackle. Sounds uh, like it to me too. Que- that's a question mark. So maybe I'm too high on them field, but I I just love the
1: Trevor Lawrence. So. Right there as well for me. There's only one team that we haven't discussed yet that was also in the mix for me. That's it. One more team. Everybody else was not okay, considered. I'm looking at my list right my now. My final okay. list. The only team not mentioned so far, the Vikings, who um, yeah, maybe is the
0: They're on my yeah, just maybe, outside.
1: Yeah. So, and that might be one where like, you know, one player carries a significant amount of weight that can make up for some personnel shortcomings otherwise. Um, if you're playing fantasy football, I'm not leaving a draft without Jordan Addison this year, though. I think there's like a chance for not quite Justin Jefferson level production, but there are some similarities that I see from where Jordan Addison is this year and Justin was a couple of years ago taking over for Stephon Diggs.
0: Yeah, I think we talked about this um i think class and i talked about it but the addition of tj hawkinson how that changed that offense and then and i've talked about how they didn't get much production out of their wide receivers outside of jefferson back. throwing addison into the mix jefferson addison hawkinson i think they'll be fine with alexander madison at running back Totally um, fine totally Run fine backs. i I'm am sorry but it's running here. back yeah it's i mean i think the fine I think that the uh, the efficacy of Dalvin Cook is being made clear by the lack of a really competitive market for his services at the moment. He's a good uh, Rorschach test
1: right now, Mina, right? It, what numbers do you want? You want Pro Bowls, which, you know, sort of an artificial way of, of valuing a player? Or do you want... Yeah. You know, some of the deeper level statistics that tell you that a real good reminder, by the way, that running back production is often a byproduct of the running back and the offensive line. And some of the, the stats that can extrapolate the runner from the line might suggest that Dalvin Cook is not necessarily this, you know, in some people's eyes, top five running back or whatever you want to classify him as. I think they'll be totally fine with Alexander Madison replacing Dalvin Cook.
0: There is one more team I considered. I put them okay. outside the group even we're talking about. And if fans, if you're angry, tune in next week. I considered the Jets. uh okay. Yeah. Just, you know, um, but it, to me, it's just a lot of questions. I think that they'll be, obviously, they'll be significantly better. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers was injured last year. Yeah. But, you know, I kind of want to see it. Uh, I have questions about that offensive line questions about the play caller. I just felt like there were too many questions for me to put them in this little group that we've uh, the Vikings, the chargers with the two teams that I, and the Cowboys were the three teams that I ultimately had just outside.
3: We had a lot. Yeah, I did.
1: I did not get the jets on the list. Uh, I think my, my concerns or my questions are largely identical to yours. And while the Packers ran, I mean, offense is good enough to help Aaron Rodgers win MVP twice over the past three seasons. I think that the jets don't have enough collective difference makers to be at that same yeah. level, right? It wasn't just, and I'm not just talking about wide receivers because they had Devonte Adams and then sort of a mishmash, but, The offensive line was consistently fantastic. So good. The running game was really, really good. And Aaron Jones is, uh, you know, we were just kind of devaluing the running back position. But Aaron Jones, um, at his best, has been one of the more productive uh, pass-catching backs in the NFL. So question marks about Brees Hall, obviously coming off the ACL there. So apologies to Jets fans, but uh, I still, you know, I think your team's going to be very, very competitive. Season,
0: they don't have so. to be top 10 because I think the defense nope. is going to be amazing. I'm going to talk about yes. that defense next week. I'm going to talk about a lot of defenses next week field. This is really fun. I feel really good about my list after hearing that we had so much overlap
3: yep.
0: uh, until next year when it turns out that half of or whatever. <laughs> but,
3: like, you know, the chief of an
1: average 16 points fine. a game this year. I now. know. Yeah. That's,
0: Yes, the top four. We yeah, identical top four. That's pretty wild. That's pretty
3: impressive.
0: Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Field, you're the best. Thanks for coming on. Guys, check out, of course, the always great fantasy-focused podcast or uh, watch NFL Live. Thanks for joining yeah, us, Yeah,
1: I'll honey. see you there later on this week, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you're you will. Thank you, Okay, <laughs> great. Thanks for having me, as always, Mina. <sighs>